You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. E-S-N-Y. <laughs> What up? Welcome back. How we doing? Episode 31 of the Wide Right Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Honey of Elite Sports New York and the Elite Sports Radio Network. Lots to get to. It's been a couple weeks since I recorded. Um, been a, I don't want to call it a hiatus. That's a word I don't like. So I'll just, a little bit of a break, mini break. But back again. So happy to be back for episode 31. Lots to go over. Uh, a lot of training camp news. Some takeaways from the uh, the Giants inner squad inter squad scrimmage that took place their blue white scrimmage that took place this past Friday night uh, at MetLife Stadium I'm sure some of you saw the it being televised on Saturday night on NBC for like the 30 minutes that it was on I thought it was going to be longer it ended up being like 30 minutes but whatever um, but a lot of, a lot to get to but I want to start with this in the beginning when the tr- when the when the fully padded practices started, the big story was, oh, Joe Judge making coach run la- uh, players and coaches run laps. You know, it's it, that's not going to turn out great, or he's trying to be a carbon copy of Belichick or Belichick's former assistants turn head coaches. This, But it seemed to me that for the most part, those who criticized Joe Judge for his in-practice antics and tactics weren't necessarily Giants fans or Giants writers or Giants podcasters or Giants radio guys or anyone really involved with the organization. And on the other hand, that people the people that supported Judge and were fans of the and are still fans of the intensity that he's bringing to practice are actually Giants beat writers and Giants fans and Giants podcasters and radio guys and and that's not a coincidence. The reason why the people that are more involved with the team are fans of what Judge is doing in practice is because they know how non-intense this organization has been over the last couple of years. Some people want to complain about the intensity Joe Judge is bringing, but that's what the Giants need. And if it's going to be in the form of coaches and players running laps, then so be it. Joe Judge is bringing intensity and urgency to this organization, to an organization that definitely and absurdly needs it. I mean, the last couple of years, if you look at the Ben McAdoo years, the Pat Shermer years, there was no intensity whatsoever. It was boring. It was bland. It wasn't, you know, really, not not many things were headline worthy. 
not you know not that that's a good thing being you know good or bad thing being headline worthy but I'm trying to I guess the point I'm trying to make is that there was no intensity or urgency during the McAdoo or Shermer years and it reflected on the team the team didn't seem into it you know at points during those in, in the last 3 years at least the last 3 debacle of you know the debacle that's been the last trio of seasons there's just been it, it, at, at times, it seems the team isn't communicating with each other. The team is out of it. The coaches, whether it was McAdoo or Shermer, lost the locker room. And a direct correlation to that was the fact that, you know, there was no intensity. There was no urgency. As I said before, it was very boring, very bland. Joe Judge knows the main goal is to come in here and win games. But another huge goal, and in order to do that, he needs to change the culture around. He needs to alter the culture. A below-average culture that was built and maintained by both Ben McAdoo and Pat Shermer. Joe Judge knows he needs to come in here and change the culture. And by doing that, he's implementing an intense and urgent practice style that is going to get these players more into it than they would have been if Shermer was the head coach or McAdoo. Now he's trying to get everyone fired up. He wants everyone to come to the Quest Diagnostics Training Center fired up. He doesn't want, you know, this to be a go through the motions, you know, walk through it. No. He wants intensity because this organization needs it desperately. The culture needs to change desperately. And this is how it's being done. And uh, if you're not into it, if you're not a fan of it, then my guess is you're most likely not someone who's really followed this team the past couple of years. You know, People who followed this team the past couple of years are fans of it because they know this team needs that intensity. You know, This is not something that's going to hurt the team. And if they say they don't win games, say it's, you know, say they're as bad as they've been the past couple of years, I think, you know, that would be for other reasons. I don't think it would be because it would be because there's intensity in practice. You know, say they go 4 and 12 again. I don't think that's going to be because there was, you know, coaches and players running laps when mistakes were made. You know, I I just I don't think there's going to be a correlation to that really. But you know, it, it's it can only help the team, really. The the whole intensity, you know, getting fired up, getting all the players fired up. It can only help the team, and I, um, you know, I, I hope it does in the long run. If we're being, if we're being completely honest, and I'm sure all Giants fans do, we're sick. They're, they're sick of, you know, everyone's sick of them losing. Everyone, they got to win games. But you know, it's it, it's it's a benefit more than anything. The intensity Joe Judge is bringing to this team is a complete benefit. Alright, want to get the next big news I want to talk about, and this happened earlier in the week. This is such a big blow to this team. I mean, such the... the and I, I, I don't even really know how it happened, really. The Xavier McKinney and the David Mayo injuries, kind of just like all of a sudden it was revealed on Twitter and going through Giants Twitter and, you know, blue check... Blue check marks tweeting this, that, so that Xavier McKinney 
fractured his foot. And David Mayo tore his meniscus. Now that's two starters. That is two defensive starters. A defense that needs everyone to click. Everyone. This defense has been putrid the last couple of years. Okay, We all know this. Last year they were what? 25th in total defense? 28th in pass defense? You know, near the bottom of the league in sacks. This entire defense needs to click. You know, including McKinney, despite the fact that he was only a rookie. That, that he's only a rookie. You know, in, in, including Mayo, despite the fact that, you know, he he's only going into what would be a second year as... Now, you know, I, I would say last year was kind of a full-time starter. I mean, I'm pretty sure he started 13 games. So I guess you can call him a full-time starter. At one point, at one point he was. So going into his second year, maybe as an as a full-time starter, I gotta look that up. I gotta see how much he played in um, in Carolina. But regardless, what, what what my point is is that this defense needed everyone to click, and these injuries are not great. This is not great. I mean, Mayo is gonna be out for. I think around a month, maybe. I think they said they'll probably try to get him back for the Week 2 game against Chicago. And then... Uh, yeah, so the, yeah, I, I I was right. It's going to be Mayo's second year as a full-time starter, basically. Anyway, so they they I think they're trying to get him back for the Week 2 game against Chicago. I don't know if they will. Um, I guess we'll just have to see. I mean, that's still you know, a couple weeks away, three weeks away. Or so, um, so they'll have to. I'll, we'll have to see with that. But McKinney is going to be out, I think, you know, until November, late November. They said possibly after the bye week, which is, I believe, November twenty second, or somewhere around that date. I believe November twenty second is the date. So he's going to be out for a while, and so and he, I was looking forward to him seeing how him and Peppers would fare in that defensive backfield. I mean, that that, that has the potential to be, and it's, it still does have the potential. I mean, we're going to see McKinney uh, back, hopefully. Hopefully the recovery is as smooth and as, you know, efficient and as effective as possible. We're going to see McKinney at some point, but I was looking forward to seeing McKinney and Peppers, how they fared and played against, played with one another, you know, from week one on. I was looking forward to that. I mean, McKinney and Peppers have the potential to be one of the more versatile and athletic safety tandems in the entire league. That's just facts. They're both very similar. They're both kind of, you know, play up near the line of scrimmage, um, but are still talented enough and still athletic enough to man the deeper part of the field. Um, and I was very interested to see how that would work out. But I guess one of, I guess a silver lining in it, or at least for this guy, a silver lining in it is that. Julian Love basically basically comes full circle now. You know, Julian Love after, you know, the Giants got rid of Antoine Bethay. They didn't bring him back. That was a disaster of a signing to begin with last year. They didn't bring Antoine Bethay back. So Julian Love was slated to be the starting free safety alongside Peppers, who was going to be the strong safety, who was still going to be the starting strong safety, you know, barring an injury of some sort. So the Giants were slated to start Julian Love at free safety. He impressed many. He 
he was impressive in the back end of last year when he had to fill in for Peppers when he went down with a transverse process fracture. And then, then the drafting of McKinney changed everything. We know this. Okay? Everyone knew once McKinney was drafted, that was the starter. McKinney was going to be the starter. Julian Love is talented. Julian Love is versatile. Um, my editor-in-chief, Danny Small, check him out. Check him out. Check his articles out at EliteSportsNewYork.com and check out his podcast, Small Ball Radio, on, Sp- on Spotify. Danny Small, our editor-in-chief, told me that I probably write more words about Julian Love than anyone on the planet. Okay, And I probably talk about him more than anyone on the planet. And I take great pride in that. That is a great title to have. So, so I, I will tell you what I've said multiple times before. Julian Love is also very versatile and athletic. Drafted as a corner, fielded as a strong safety, was going to be the free safety this year. However, when McKinney got drafted, it was that he was going to be the starter. That was it. Okay, McKinney should have not dropped to the number thirty-six overall pick, okay? and he shouldn't have dropped to the second round whatsoever. The fact that he dropped to the Giants' pick in that second round is astonishing. The Giants had to pick him. That's how talented he is. They had to pick him. So once they got him, I've, you know that was the narrative changed. It went from Julian Love's position or Julian Love's spot to now that free safety role is McKinney's spot, and it was going to be McKinney's and Peppers. But now with this injury, it's come full circle, completely full circle. Okay, now it's Julian Love time, and the second-year man out of Notre Dame has a huge opportunity. Huge. Yeah, right? He's a huge opportunity to step up and show what he's made of and flex his versatility even more. You know, we know he can play corner. You know, he was an all American consensus all American at Notre Dame as a cornerback in his final season at Notre Dame in twenty eighteen. Then we saw he could play strong safety. And now he has the opportunity to show that he can also play the free safety position. Uh, with McKinney's injury, with McKinney sidelined. He can build off of last year too. And uh, it's great now that, you know, his time in the starting lineup towards the end of last year, we're talking about Julian Love, his time towards the end, his playing time that he received towards the end of last year is now like a huge blessing. You know, now it's not like he's getting thrown into the fire right away. Now that it's, it's not like the Giants are asking, you know, for him to complete a significant task and to after you know not gaining not getting much playing time last year the playing time and the five starts he had towards the end of last year have now become a blessing now he's experienced um now he you know he's not going you know in, he's not going into games empty-handed uh this is this is a big opportunity for love not just for you know the team it, it, it's a huge opportunity for the team because it, they can see you know what they have out of Julian Love from a different position, but it's also big for Love himself because now he can try to prove to, you know, other teams just how effective he can be on a on a defensive unit and in a, in and in a defensive backfield. You know, Love now has an opportunity to really show uh, players and teams in this league what he can bring to the table, which is only going to benefit his future in this league. And now he has the opportunity to say, hey, you want me to play free safety? I can play free safety. You want me to play strong safety? I can play strong safety. You want me to play corner? I can play... He, can, he has the opportunity to flex his versatility even more than he already has. 
And when McKinney comes back, say McKinney comes back uh, as soon as possible. He's healthy. He's good to go. The Giants want to field him. The Giants are confident in what they have in him still, and they should. They they will still be confident. You know this 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 injury, knock on wood, is not going to be career threatening. Um. They they're still going to want to see what McKinney has to offer. I mean, they they drafted him for a reason. So if McKinney comes back as soon as possible and as healthy as possible, and the Giants want to play him at, at free safety like they intended to initially, that's not the end of Julian Love. He could still get playing time at other positions. You know, you still don't know if you're going to have a concrete starting corner opposite James Bradbury. Who knows if Corey Ballantine's going to be the guy? Who knows if this new guy they signed, Brandon Williams, is going to be the guy. It doesn't seem like he will. I mean, he didn't play at all last year because um, he was hurt. And, uh, you know, Grant Haley doesn't seem like he's going to be the guy. He struggled. Uh, he struggled much of last year. He struggled in training camp. He His roster spot is not a lock. You know, who knows if Darnay Holmes is going to be the do- be the guy. Holmes is impressed mightily in training camp, but he's still a rookie. He still hasn't gone against other organizations and other, you know, talent within other organizations. You know, he still hasn't taken part in a legitimate regular season matchup. So that's a big, you know, that's a, that's something he's going to have to conquer. So who knows if the, the Giants may not have a concrete starter at that position, you know, that cornerback position opposite James Bradbury when McKinney becomes healthy again. So maybe Love finds time there. You know, maybe they don't have a concrete starter at slot corner. You know, it's the same thing. Ballantine was inconsistent last year. Who knows how it will fare this year. Grant Haley was inconsistent last year. Same thing with him. His As I just said before, his roster spot is not a lock. Um, Darnay Holmes is, is inexperienced. Chris Williamson is inexperienced. Um, you know, there's a lot of inexperienced guys. There's a lot of young guys in this defensive backfield. So who knows if there's going to be a concrete starter there at slot corner. So maybe Love could fill in there. But... I think this is a huge opportunity for Love. I'm excited to see how he's going to conquer this uh, sort of challenge. Not sort of, this challenge period. Um, it, should, it should be fun to watch, and I'm looking forward to seeing uh, Love and Peppers man that safety tandem. And that's, you know, everyone says, oh, McKinney and Peppers are, is going to be the most versatile athletic, or one of the most versatile athletic safety tandems. You know, Love and Peppers is also a very versatile and athletic safety tandem. You know, and I'm hoping that it, you know, they they both step up this season uh, in McKinney's absence and and make it work. And I'm I'm hoping they make it work. But as far as for Mayo, the uh, so Mayo is only going to be out for a short period of time. They they should, as I said before, I think they're trying to get him back for week two against Chicago. But who knows right now? Uh, so that won't be as long of a time period where they're going to have to find reinforcements and who starts in his place. But this may be an opportunity, a great opportunity for Ryan Connolly. You know, I, I, Devontae Downs is someone who's really stepped up in training camp and he had a great, um, I saw him had a great play in the, uh, intra-squad scrimmage, which we'll talk about in a few minutes. Um, 
But, you know, Ryan Connolly and David Mayo were basically, from the beginning, two of the leading candidates for the starting inside linebacker job alongside Blake Martinez. Blake Martinez, when you talk about, if you're in a 3-4, you have the two inside linebacker spots. Blake Martinez was going to be the starter anyway, was going to be one of the starters anyway, from the beginning, okay? The Giants did not sign him to a three-year, I think, $30 million deal to not start him, okay, he's going to be one of the inside, the starting inside linebackers, and he's going to be the leader of that defense, Blake Martinez is potentially going to be the defensive captain, okay, so Blake Martinez is starting, there's no doubt about that, but as far as the other inside linebacker spot goes, Mayo, who started 13 games last year, and Connolly, who start, who played in four games to start the year, and then tore his ACL, and it was an impressive four games, mind you, okay, he was really impressive, a lot of people know that, that's why a lot of people still have confidence in him, um, so it was going to be Mayo versus Connolly, with Devontae Downs also in the mix. Now, my guess was that it was going to be Mayo to get the start initially, you know, while they get Connolly back up to speed, you know, coming off a torn ACL injury is tough, um, getting back, you know, not only that, coming off a torn ACL while learning a new uh, defensive coordinator's playbook, uh, working with a new inside linebacker's coach. Um, in Kevin Schur, and then learning a new defensive coordinator's playbook, Pat, uh, Patrick Graham's playbook. You know, it was a tough spot for Connolly. They probably wanted to ease him in, you know, take their time with him, be patient with him, you know, not give him too much responsibility right away. You don't want him to become overwhelmed and, you know, and and, and who knows, knock on wood, get hurt again. You know, then then it's re- then it really becomes a problem. You know, it, it so... But I think, you know, when you talk about Mayo and uh, Connolly, I think Mayo was going to start initially just because of of his experience in that starting role last year. And the Giants, you know, obviously are fans of him. They brought him back on a three-year extension. So I I thought Mayo was going to start right away with Connolly eventually, potentially, um, getting into the mix in the starting lineup um, as time progressed and at some point down the road Connolly was going to find himself in a starting role again but now with Mayo out for what looks to be potentially the first couple weeks you know this is a big opportunity for Connolly to step up to potentially win that job for the week one game against the Steelers and show that last year wasn't just a fluke so that last year you know last year's injury didn't ruin any chances of him having success in this league you know, he has the opportunity to show that he could still succeed in this league even though teams possess some sort of film on him. You know, it's not a lot of film other teams possess on him, but it's it's good film. He was pretty good. He was, for when he was on the field last year in those four games, he showed flashes of incredible potential. Had a couple picks. I believe he had 20 tackles in those four games. 20 combined tackles in those four games. Um... He was, you know, he was a playmaker. Always seemed like he was always around the ball, always in the backfield. And uh, this is now an opportunity for Connolly to show that he could still be that type of player, even coming off, even coming, even after coming off an ACL tear, and even after teams get some sort of film on him. Uh, I think, uh, and I, I, I hope it works out. I hope, I hope Connolly wins the job. I'm a big fan of Ryan Connolly. I love I love the way he plays. I think he's aggressive. I think he's a ball hawk. Um, I know I'm saying this off of a a tiny sample size, so not not tiny, but definitely a small sample size. But I I, I like the way I, I liked what I saw out of uh, out of him last year, and I'm sure a lot of Giants fans and writers and podcasters liked what they saw out of Connolly last year in those four games. So 
I'm hoping, you know, I'm actually hoping Connolly wins the job so we can at least see what we can get, what we can still, you know, at least see what this team can still get out of Connolly. Um, but finally, I want to get into the blue-white, the Giants' blue-white scrimmage, the intra-squad scrimmage that took place this past Friday night at MetLife Stadium. So I caught, I'm not, I don't have credentials, you know, I don't go to the games, I don't go to the practices, so I I follow it like you guys. I follow the live tweeting um, from different uh, beat writers. You know, obviously Paul Schwartz, Art Stapleton, Tom Rock, Jordan Ronan, um, you know, Pat Leonard, all those wonderful writers and beat reporters. I follow along with their tweets, you know, and it wasn't televised Friday night. But it was televised, obviously, on Saturday night. And so it's obviously, since it's a day after, it's a tape. So I caught the tape on NBC, and it was like, I feel like it was like 30 minutes it was done. You know, I, I, they only showed like four plays in the in the second half. I get it, like the starters aren't playing then. But that's why I kind of like the preseason, because I like to see what the rookies can bring to the table, especially the undrafted rookies. You know, and um, I was looking forward to seeing what like Javon Leak, running back, undrafted rookie running back out of uh, Maryland, could bring to the table. And they only showed him a few times, and then he got cut today. You know, they well they well they showed him a few times. I saw him on the televised scrimmage, and I was like, oh okay, you see a couple plays from him, but it doesn't matter because he was cut earlier in the day on Saturday. So it's it's things like that. It was I thought it was weird. I thought it, it, they could have showed more. Um, than just, you know, four plays in the second half, and there was only about a, I think, four or five, maybe six plays second in the second quarter. It was just not, I don't, I didn't, I thought they could have showed more, but there was a couple of takeaways I got out of the scrimmage. If Lorenzo Carter can bring this level of production to actual regular season matchups, that's huge. Okay, Lorenzo Carter was near the quarterback almost the entire time. I think he got... It depends on how you... They weren't bringing the quarterbacks down to the ground, obviously, so if Carter got a hand on him, it was a sack, and it was kind of up to, like, your own discretion. You know, some were saying he had four sacks. Some were saying he had three. Either way, he had a dominant performance in this scrimmage. And if Lorenzo Carter could bring that level of production to this team week in and week out, or... um. You know, maybe he's, I don't think he's getting three sacks week in and week out. That's, you know, and that's would shatter records, you know, obviously. But if he can bring that level of production uh, to this team and, uh, you know, be in the backfield a, a significant number of times every game, you know, get pressure on the quarterback, I think that's huge because I think the Giants are going to have to utilize a pass rush by committee approach meaning that they don't have one they don't have a Khalil Mack on the team you know they don't have an Aaron Donald on the team you know they don't have just one guy who's an absolute superstar who the coaches can rely on to bring significant pressure onto the quarterback you know each and every play each and every drive you know Marcus Golden is good but as I said before Marcus Golden isn't a star he wasn't a Pro Bowl player last year. He wasn't an All-Pro. There's a reason teams didn't bite on his reported $10 million annual ask in free agency. Okay, There's a reason teams didn't 
uh, you know, want to drop $10 million a year on Marcus Golden. And there's a reason why the Giants ended up getting him back for very cheap. It's because he's not a star. He's not a superstar. Certainly not. He's good, but he's not, you know, he, he's just not, he's not a star. So the Giants are going to have to utilize a pass rush by committee approach with Golden and with Lorenzo Carter and with Kyler Frackle, who they scooped up in free agency, who's proven that he can rush the quarterback. He had 10 and a half sacks two years ago with Patrick Graham as his linebackers coach, mind you, in Green Bay. Um, with Carter Coughlin, who was a, who's a rookie out of Minnesota, two-time second-team All-Big Ten while at Minnesota. You know, with O'Shane Zimenez, who they're hoping is going to improve after a promising rookie season last year. So since they're going to do that, and since they are, well, since they're likely going to utilize that committee, it's huge to get everyone involved. Therefore, it's huge to see Carter getting involved in the pass rush and being that productive because Carter wasn't all that great last year. A lot of a lot of people thought that you know Carter was going to be the team's leading rusher, and he wasn't nearly. You know, he was. I believe he had four and a half sacks while. Marcus Golden had 10. I believe he had 30 pressures. Marcus Golden had, I think, 64, if I'm not mistaken. Carter wasn't exactly, you know, he wasn't bad, wasn't horrible, but he didn't develop a, you know, a notable amount that, you know, fans thought he would. He had a promising rookie year in 2018, and fans thought he would become the team's top pass rusher by far in 2019, and he just didn't. So it's very important that Carter improves uh, and develops greatly this year, and I think uh, the production he showed in Friday night's scrimmage is a very good sign. You know, obviously he's going against Andrew Thomas. He's a rookie, you know, rookie left tackle. But who knows? Maybe he's able to repeat this uh, for the most part in this. Maybe Carter is able to repeat this sort of production for the most part in the regular season. And if he does, that would be nothing but great for this team. A team that desperately needs pass rush. That desperately needs the pass rush to finally come together. You know, it's another area of the another area of the game they've been putrid in the past couple of years is rushing the quarterback. They need the pass rush for the Giants needs to step up big time. And if Carter can bring that level of production, you know, on a consistent basis or somewhat consistent basis, and that can that will do nothing but help the team. Hundred um, percent. Another tidbit I got. It seemed uh, another takeaway from the scrimmage. It seems the Giants. I guess they like Wayne Gallman. You know, I said Wayne Gallman was a potential cut uh, this year, and it seems that with you know Javon Leak getting cut on Saturday, the Giants liked the two touchdowns they saw out of Wayne Gallman on Friday. And looks like Wayne Gallman's going to be back for the 2020 season. His fourth year with the team. His final year of his rookie deal. Who knows what his uh, future will be with the Giants after 2020. But it seems for now, uh, Wayne Gallman is going to remain a Giant this year. And I think he, I think the Giants really wanted him to step up in this scrimmage on Friday. And he he answered the challenge. He took on the challenge. He took the challenge head on. And he completed it, had the long touchdown run in the beginning, had the touchdown reception from Cooper Rush, backup quarterback, later in the scrimmage. So, um, yeah, I think, uh, I think you know, pro- kudos to Wayne Gallman. He looks like he's back for another year. And um, I think Corey Coleman kind of looks good. Corey Coleman had a couple good plays, a couple good pitching catches from 
uh, you know, McCoy, Colt McCoy to Corey Coleman, and then Alex Tanney to Corey Coleman. There was one good play. You know, Corey Coleman, if he can stay healthy, and he can, if Corey Coleman could stay healthy, he could be, I don't want to say an integral part of this offense. He's not going to get nowhere near the most snaps out of any receiver. But he could be a good, you know, and reliable and somewhat consistent fourth receiver. You know, I think the Giants have a good balance of talent in their receivers. I think Sterling Shepard is that productive possession receiver. Darius Slayton is obviously a promising downfield threat. While Golden Tate is the yak king. Golden Tate is the king of getting yards after the catch. Uh, And I think if they can utilize Coleman to the best of his ability and spread the field and use all the options they have uh, to the best of their abilities, that they're just, you know, all the options they have at the best of their ability, to the best of their abilities, then that's only going to help Daniel Jones. You know, if you can have, uh, if you can have Sterling Shepard, Darius Slayton, Golden Tate, and the former first round pick and Corey Coleman be reliable options in the passing game, Daniel Jones could have a big year. It spreads the field. It overwhelms the defense. Um, you know, the defense got to find more matchups for more for more opposing receivers. You know, if you could have those four guys, and uh, you know, get some production out of get not some, but get a ton of production out of out of Evan Engram, who's another guy that needs to stay on the field. Evan Engram bring um, you know a notable amount of production week in and week out, like he should when he's healthy. Uh, Saquon Barkley is obviously talented in the passing game. Deion Lewis is talented in the passing game. Um, who knows what Gallman, you know, maybe, maybe they'll utilize Gallman in certain circumstances. But if the Giants can just utilize their each of their weapons to the best of their respective abilities, it'll benefit Daniel Jones's development. Um, it'll be huge for Daniel Jones's development. So, but I, I, I thought I kind of I liked what I saw out of Coleman in the scrimmage. You know, Coleman, that's another guy whose roster spot isn't a lock. He's he's on a one year deal after missing the entirety of last season with a torn ACL, tore his ACL in um, on the first day of training camp after signing a one year deal for the 2019 season. Giants were confident confident in bringing him back. They brought him back on a one year deal this year. So he's on a prove it deal. He's got to prove that he's worth being on this team and worth gaining. A noteworthy number of snaps. So, and but I think uh, Friday scrimmage was a good sign for Corey Coleman. And um, Daniel Jones didn't look great, but I wouldn't worry. I wouldn't worry. I think it's going to take a little bit for this offense to sort of come together, especially with an offensive line. Uh, looks to me, you know, if Nick Gates started at center, and Spencer Pulley's been a little bit hurt, but Nick Gates started at center. Uh, during the scrimmage. So if Nick Gates is the starting center and you have Andrew Thomas at left tackle and, and Cam Fleming at right, you know, that's three three out of the five guys in the offensive line are new. You know, it's going to take a little bit to, for everything to click. You know, it's it's the ultimate team sport. Everything has to click and it's going to take everything. It's going to take a little bit of time for everything to click. So I think Daniel Jones uh, fumbling or throwing behind receivers in this intra-squad scrimmage uh, shouldn't be something that scares fans. Um, I think he'll be fine, and um, I'm really, I, I really liked Joe Judge during the scrimmage. So he, he was mic'd up, talked to Daniel Jones about his fumble on the sideline, was telling everyone behind the yellow, behind the yellow, you know, on the the line on the sideline that they can't stand in front of. 
um, that the players on the sideline can't stand in front of or else they may get an unsportsmanlike penalty. Uh, I thought that was funny. Um, but, yeah, I would just wish the scrimmage was longer. That's all. I just... I, I, the, I, the televised portion of it, I mean. I feel like it was like once the... You know, the, the, the halftime interview with Dave Gettleman seemed longer than the stuff that they televised. So, that, I thought that was weird. But, anyway, thank you so much for tuning in. Um, so glad I could be back here talking with you all. Um, episode number 32. I'm going to look to record one next week. And as the se- when the season starts, I'm going to try to... I'm going to be doing two... I, I, I believe I'm going to try to do two episodes in a week. You know, once the Giant once the Giants play, I'll try to have a you know a, a reaction. I don't want to call it an immediate reaction. I'll probably record close to an hour after uh, the game ends or something like that. So I guess you can call it an immediate reaction. But w- when the Giants play, when Giants game ends, I'll have a reaction podcast to the game. Talk about some things that I liked. Talk about some things that I didn't like. Talk about the uh, the result of the game. And things like that, and then I have, and and then at some point in the middle of the week, I'd have another podcast episode um, previewing the upcoming game. So it's going to be a lot of podcast episodes uh, in the midst of this upcoming season. But for now, thank you so much for tuning in to episode thirty-one of the Wide Right Podcast. As always, I'm your host Ryan Honey. Uh, follow me on Twitter at Ryan Honey E S N Y. That's at Ryan Honey E S N Y. Subscribe on. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iArt Radio, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, Google Play, wherever you get your podcast. And um, all right, I'm out of here. Thanks.